You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. Would please like to invite you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6 today. If you don't have a copy of God's words, God's Word with you, I invite you to take that pew Bible right in front of you. Uh, you can turn into uh, page 812, and you'll be able to follow along as we, as we really cover this, really this critical portion of Scripture this morning. How many of you guys have enjoyed our time in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount? Yeah? Yeah, good. A little beat up. It's like, this is Jesus' sermon. This is what Jesus wanted us to know and hear the most. And uh, today marks the final chapter in, in this sermon. We have just uh, four or five more weeks left in the, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus has spoken in many different areas of our lives. Um, he addressed how we relate to the world. He says we need to be salt and light in a, in a dark place that needs the good news of Jesus. Um, he addressed how we should practice good deeds in secret instead of doing them for other people to see. He spoke on how, how we need to relate to God as our Heavenly Father and come to Him and bring our petitions toward Him when He went through the, the disciples' prayer. And last week, Pastor Mike brought out and we saw how kingdom citizens should relate to anxiety concerning our needs. And listen, we all can worry about things, but the Lord continues to encourage us to bring those things back to him and trust that he is going to take care of our every need. And this morning, Jesus is going to address the, the human tendency that we have to judge other people. And this week and next week, we're going to talk about how we relate to each other. There's a story of a pastor named Bishop Potter. Now, Bishop Potter was sailing for Europe on one of those great transatlantic ocean liners. And so he was going from the States over to Europe. And after seeing the accommodations, he came to the front desk and, and inquired if he could leave his gold watch and other valuables in the ship's safe. You see, the ship was so full that he actually had to share that cabin with someone else. And so he explained that ordinarily he wouldn't do, do such a thing, but he had been to his cabin and had met the other person there. And judging from his appearance, he was afraid that he might not be a very trustworthy person. So the person at the front desk accepted the responsibility for the valuables and remarked, It's all right, Bishop, I'd be happy to take care of that for you. See, the other man has been up and left his valuables for, for the same reason. <laughs> See, in Matthew 7, 1 through 6, Jesus paints a picture of how we relate to each other. Jesus knew that the church would be full of imperfect people, bringing our immaturities, our sins, and our spiritual blind spots with us. But church, if we are going to be a hospital for the sick, we must understand how to respond to sin. If we're going to be a place, and we are a place, that welcomes all sorts of people from all different backgrounds, and with all different sin issues, and with so many different blind spots about those sins, we need to know how to rightly respond to sin within the midst, within our midst. And God gives this vision here of what we should be in Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 6. And God calls us to be a community that lovingly and faithfully confronts sin. 
that we're not blind to it, that we confront it with love and with faithfulness. And this morning, Jesus is going to give us four ways to show how this is practically lived out. First, he's going to call us to refrain from a judgmental attitude. He's going to call us to recognize our own sin first. To restore other people with compassion. And lastly, to realize when it's time to move on. Because I'm going to read all of Matthew 7, 1 through 6 together. And then we're going to jump into the text and dig deep, dig a little bit deeper into it. So Jesus says, beginning in verse 1, it says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in, in your own? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. And then you, will, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. And do not throw your pearls before pigs. Lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Heavenly Father, as we dig into these verses today, Lord, this is not an easy text. And Lord, you are uncovering a tendency in all of our hearts to cast unrighteous judgment upon other people. You are uncovering and hitting a nerve, Lord, that this is what some people live for. This is what our lives, this is why we get up in the morning, to judge other people, to make ourselves look better. But God, this is your remedy on how we deal with sin within the church. And so God, as we open up your word, as we dig deeper into these verses, Father, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open to receiving instruction today. And God, beginning with my own. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would see this clear vision of what this church and what Christian communities could be like and should be like. A place where hurting people can come and be healed. A place that we recognize that we're all in this thing together. None of us have made it. And we're all in process toward, toward looking more like your son Jesus. So God, help us and breathe new life into these verses in our hearts today. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So church, we're going to begin in Matthew 7 verses 1 through 2, and Jesus calls us that the first thing that needs to happen is that we need to refrain from a judgmental attitude. He says, judge not that you be judged. For the judgment that you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Because Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you not be judged. It's probably one of the most used verses by unbelievers in all of Scripture. And I want to say by unbelievers, by, by everyone. See, because people use this verse to prove that no one should speak out against sin. That no one has the right to call out sin in someone else's life. And what this does is that this cultivates this belief that people should go about their business without ever being judged or without ever being confronted. And I don't have time this morning. You can thank my wife for this. I had like a page and a half of defending this, and Mel's like, Dude, take out all of that. One, you're going to keep people here to like 2 o'clock. No one wants that. 
Um, but listen, if you have questions about this, I'd be glad to talk afterwards. We're just not going to do it here for the sake of our nursery workers and kids workers and for everyone's sake, to be serious. But listen, Matthew 7 and 1, and this interpretation that we should just go about our business and not judge anyone goes against so many other portions of Scripture that actually instruct us that we are to look at each other's lives and use theological and spiritual discernment and actually encourage each other to change and, make, and become more and more like Jesus. Hebrews 3.13 this is, this is the author writing to the church. It says, as long as it's called today, exhort one another. Exhort, exhortation is calling people out. Why? We exhort so that people's hearts would not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. See, we can't interpret scripture that contradicts other scripture. So Matthew 7, 1 isn't about not judging people and just walking around blindly about what's going on in other people's lives. What Jesus is getting at is, listen, we're called to judge, just not with a judgmental spirit. We are called to actually work and live in the midst of people, in relationship with other people, and prayerfully and lovingly confront sin. We're just supposed to do it in the right way. See, that word judge means to condemn, to pronounce judgment upon someone. And Jesus here is trying to guard our hearts against judgmentalism, not just judging people. See, judgmentalism is the attitude of finding the light and picking apart someone else's life. It is looking down on everyone else who doesn't live up to your standard. It is self-righteous, unmerciful, unkind, and lacking in compassion and grace. Judgmentalism is a critical spirit that, rejoicing, that rejoices in finding the fault in other people. It is someone who confesses the sins of others while ignoring their own sin. How many of us are guilty of that? How many of us are guilty of hearing that someone else has fallen into sin and rejoicing in that? Because it makes you look better. How many of us are guilty of gossiping and confessing someone else's sin while not taking care of our own? And I, I can't tell you the, how detrimental that is to the body of believers here. See, and this judgmental spirit lies within all of us. None of us can stand here today and say, that doesn't apply to me. I can just shut off for the next half an hour. This, is, this judgmental, pharisaical attitude lies dormant in all of our hearts. And given the proper opportunity, it will come out. See, judgmentalism rears its ugly head when we, when we are more enraged at someone else's sin than we are embarrassed about our own. When we refuse to forgive, or when you forgive, you choose not to forget. When you cut off people that disagree with you on any, on, on, on any issue, when you gossip, when you, receive, when you refuse to receive criticism, and when you write someone off as hopeless. See, Jesus gives a warning on those who judge others this way. And the same yardstick that Jesus says, listen, the same yardstick that you use to judge other people, that yardstick then turns into a boomerang and comes back against you. 
And he says the same way that you judge others, the same standard that you measure other people, you will be measured by that same standard. And if we are unloving, ungracious, unmerciful to others, we can expect that God is going to be the same to us. And I don't know about you guys, but it's a scary thing to say, God, judge me as I have judged my fellow brothers and sisters. God, I want you to judge me. When I stand before you someday at the judgment seat of Christ, again, this isn't for salvation, but God, if I have been unloving and unmerciful to other people, uncompassionate, I invite that same judgment against my life. And see, that word, judge not, John Stott has this awesome quote. It says, judge not is not a requirement to be blind, but it is a plea to be generous. That it is a plea to be compassionate, to be patient, and fight for that person while confronting their sin. So judge not isn't this call that we just not judge anyone, because we are called to do that but we are to do it with the right attitude. Not putting ourselves above anyone else, not, not, not condemning that person because only God can bring that judgment, but saying, listen, I see something in your life. And before we even talk about what it is, I want to approach you with the right attitude. I want to be loving. I want to be merciful. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, says let all malice um, flee from your mouth. But forgive one another. Be patient with one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. When we have that kind of attitude that guards our heart against that judgmental spirit that, that lies within all of us. But Jesus, Jesus continues and uses this very well-known parable to continue to shed light on how exactly we are to judge others. Look with me at Matthew 7, 3 through 5 again. It says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own? And you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So the second thing that Jesus calls us to, listen, we need to refrain from judgmental attitudes, but also we need to recognize our own sin. Jesus gets this picture of here you have this one man who has, who has a, a splinter or a chip of wood in his eye, which needs to be addressed. I don't know how many of you have ever had a, a wood chip or something in your eye, but if it's stuck in there, it needs to come out. And for the most part, that's something that you cannot do on your own. You can rub it and stuff like that, but sometimes doing that actually makes it worse. Like you need to go to a specialist, someone that can see clearly to actually help you remove that thing from your eye. See, oftentimes when, 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 we, when we read those verses, we think of this log and speck as, a, uh, as a, something that's not that important to something that is important. It's like almost like a, a venial and a mortal sin if you come from like a Roman Catholic background. There's something that, that needs to be addressed, but it's just that big log. That speck isn't a big deal. No, that speck is a big deal. That speck represents some sort of sin with, within our lives. But Jesus is calling us, before we go and help that other person, we first need to recognize our own sin. And that log represents not, not a huge sin issue, but the log represents something that, that's closer to us. We're talking about proximity. 
And we need to be able to recognize before we go to help other people that we, we have stuff in, in our own lives that we need to take care of. Uh, otherwise, it would be like having an eye problem and knowing that you need surgery but going to a blind eye doctor. How would that work? It wouldn't. But so often, we enter into situations that need delicate surgery without being able to see clearly ourselves. Jesus says we need to recognize our own sin first. And before we can help someone else, we must take out the log from our own eye. We need to know ourselves. We need to recognize that we are as human as the next person. And that we stand in just as much as need of God's grace and mercy as that person does. We are all sinners saved by grace. And listen, before we go forward, I want to mention one more practical thing on this. Because sometimes we, we look at this verse and say that if I struggle with any sin, if I have any kind of log in my eye, I can't help someone else. And that's sometimes how people interpret this verse. And it's saying, well, since I'm still a sinner, I can't help, it. I can't help anyone. I can't speak truth into their lives because I still have my, my own mess going on. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying here. Because let's be honest, if that was true, who could, who could ever help someone? All right, you can say Jesus, which is true. But on a practical level, in a Christian community, none of us would be able to help someone else. If we always go back to the fact, well, my life isn't 100% right with God. Because our lives aren't. We're in process, and we're working together. We're moving together. But there's always going to be sin in our lives that needs to be dealt with. What I think Jesus is getting at here has more to do with attitude, has more to do with understanding our own need for forgiveness first. See, when we regularly experience God's forgiveness, we simply are able to then point others to the same grace that we've already received. If we are regularly bringing our sins and our struggles to the cross of Jesus Christ, laying them at the feet, being, being bathed um, in the vision of Calvary and recognizing that our sins have been forgiven and, and Christ's death is enough, that will put us in a better place from an attitude perspective to actually be able to graciously love and help someone else. That's how we fight against this judgmental attitude that we just talked about. We recognize our own need for a savior. But then we do something about it. We take our sins and lay them at the foot of the cross and find mercy and forgiveness for them there. That allows us to then move forward in actually helping out other people. And we've, when we've addressed our own sins, you'll be more understanding, compassionate, and righteous in your assessments, and better able to help a brother address his own sin. And when we also do that, we'll be also ready to accept help from other people. Some of the hardest people, we'll, we'll get, get into that in just a few moments, but some of the hardest people to help are the ones that, re, that do not recognize they need it. Some of the hardest people that we can enter into their lives and try to give counsel are those people that don't recognize that they also need help, that they also need forgiveness. But we are called first to take care of our own sins. 
and then we can go and help someone else. The, the end of verse 5, Jesus gives us another, another step. And he's called, we are called to restore others with compassion. Look with me at the end of verse 5. It says, it says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. See, verses 3 and 4 do not absolve the responsibility to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Say, well, hey, as long as I don't take, if I don't take care of my own sin, I can't enter into someone else's life. It says, no, look, look, you take care of your own sin first, and then you go. And then you go and confront. And then you go and lovingly come alongside someone and address sin issues within their lives. Don't, don't, don't get that mixed up. Don't go to them first without recognizing your sin. You need to do that first. But when that's happened, when you've confessed your sin, when, when you've received the grace of God again in your life, when you, are, when you are experiencing the forgiveness that only Christ can give, then you go to that other person. Guys, the eye is the most delicate organ in the entire body. And I think this is why Jesus uses it here. Every time, the moment a finger touches it, it closes up. It requires a sympathetic touch. It requires patience, calmness, and coolness. All those things that I personally do not have, I could never be an eye doctor. I would stab that thing so fast, like it would not be good. I don't have, I get nervous, I get the shakes, like this is not my... <laughs> I'm so glad I'm a pastor and not, and not, and not, and not an, an eye surgeon. You're probably glad for that too. But church, if, he, if, Jesus, is, if Jesus uses this example of an eye that needs a delicate touch, that you can't go in there guns blazing, that you need to be calm and cool and collected while you're performing that surgery, think of how much more you're dealing with a soul when you address sin. Think of how much calmness, think of how much wisdom is needed to actually address and confront the sin in someone else's life. Jesus talked about our attitudes, and we need to refrain from judgmental attitudes because I truly believe, and a lot of you probably have experienced this, I know I have in my life, because you get these people that want to address sin in your life, which they're doing a good thing. They're just doing it in the wrong way. And, the, and they come in guns blazing. They, they, open up, they open up God's word, which is where we find truth, but they, they use it in such a, a harsh and a brash way with people. And they see that someone else's life is a mess, and it is, and it needs to be addressed. But if you go in there, with your huge Bible and beat someone over the head with it and say, this is the truth, now change now, that isn't always the best approach. You're dealing with someone's soul here. And it takes the gentleness of knowing that, listen, I'm a sinner. I need this grace just as much as you do. But let me come alongside of you. Let me lovingly and gently address whatever that sin is in your, in your life. I'm not going to make you feel bad about it. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to pronounce judgment upon you. But I'm here to help. That approach, we say this all the time here, approach trumps content every time. Our approach to sin in other people's lives must be 
compassionate and loving. That's how Jesus calls us to do it. To give you just a better picture of what this looks like, I always go back to 1 Corinthians 13, especially verses 4 through 6. These would be great verses for for you to memorize. Because listen, we're all called to judge. We're all called to get involved in people's lives. This is how it should be done. 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Church, how much would change if those verses were implanted on our hearts? And when we address sin in people's lives, this is how we do it. That we, that we do not rejoice in the wrongdoing of other people. That we, that we go from this judgmental spirit where when we find out someone else living in sin, it boosts us up a little bit more. But instead of that, we lovingly, it literally breaks our hearts to see someone living in sin. Because we know, we know what that does to them. We know that that's, that's what it does to the body as a whole, into the testimony of Christ. But we go, and we endure with them. And we don't boast, and we don't gossip about it. But we come alongside of them and say, listen, I'm here to help. And we're not helping them in and of ourselves. We're helping them, we're leading them to the same place that we've already been. And we share, listen, I may not have experienced that same sin or struggle with that same thing, but man, I, I, was, I was messed up in this and this and this. And let me tell you where, where I found peace. Let me tell you where I found victory. Let me tell you where, where, I, where I found freedom. I found freedom at the foot of the cross and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus gives a picture of what's of how we should relate to each other. This is what the gospel community should look like. And Grace, I'm telling you, some of the best evangelistic tools that we have aren't events, aren't doing big things for our community. Some of the best, the best evangelism tools that we have is us doing this very thing in the midst of unbelievers. Church, I believe every single Sunday we have people walking through our doors that do not know Jesus. And sometimes them just coming in and seeing how we treat each other, seeing how we worship together, seeing how we work together, seeing how we do life together in in, in small group environments, that is what changes their hearts and their mind about the good news of the gospel. So this isn't just something that we do in-house because this is how we should treat each other. This impacts how the world views us as well. Now listen, we need to refrain from judgmental attitudes. We need to recognize our own sin. We need to restore others with compassion. And Jesus gives us one more piece of advice when it comes to dealing with other people. We find it here in verse 6. And he says, listen, you need to realize when it's time to move on. Verse 6 says, do not give dogs what is holy, And do not throw your pearls before pigs, 
lest they trample them underfoot and turn and attack you. Be honest with you, this is a weird verse. All right, so we're, we're called not to judge, but somehow we need to know who dogs and who pigs are. And I don't recommend, this is, we're not going to line you up, you're a dog, you're a pig, don't do that, please don't. Do that at home if you want, it might be a cool icebreaker for something, but we're not doing that here. But listen, in verse 6, Jesus gives us another picture to help illustrate how we shape, how we understand each other. And here Jesus is explaining that not everyone we want to help, even with the right approach, will welcome it. See, when he talks about dogs here, these are not your household pets. We have a, a 10-pound cockapoo at home. Not, that's not what we're referring to. He's referring to these, these cities that have savage dogs that just, they run rampant and they're looking for scraps and they're just trying to survive. These are not your household whatever. Same thing with pigs. And so he said, how crazy would it be to give something sacred, something righteous to a savage dog? Or how many of us would buy a, a new pearl necklace and put it upon put it around the, the, the neck of a pig. That was, that's so crazy. That's not, what, that's not what normal people do. And what Jesus is getting at here is that those dogs aren't, aren't expecting something sacred. They're, they're expecting some scraps. And those pigs aren't expecting a pearl necklace. They're, they're expecting some corn husks where afterwards they can, they can roll, roll around in the mud. They don't value Jesus is saying they don't value those things that are precious, those pearls of godly wisdom. Some, some, some scholars believe they might not even value the gospel themselves. And what we need to understand is that there are people out there that will not appreciate you confronting them about their sin, even if you do it in the right way, even if you follow those first three steps. See, and this is where godly wisdom and discretion come into play. See, Jesus isn't saying never to reach out and lovingly address sin. But we need to know when to push and then when to pull back. Charles Spurgeon has this quote. He says, we need God's wisdom to not only open our mouths, but also at times to keep them shut. We need godly wisdom. And some people use this verse to say, listen, there's certain people that I should never share the gospel with. There's certain people that I should never confront about their sin. But Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying, listen, you need to learn, you will, you will see who they are after you've done it, after you've shared. You will see what they're like after you've confronted them about their sin. You will see what they're like after you've shared the gospel with them. This is not a blanket statement to be very choosy about who you share things with. you got to give it a shot, but then you also need to know when it's time to move on. Guys, all of us, if you've ever shared the gospel with someone, if you've ever tried to come alongside and help people, we, you just recognize that there's certain people that want it, that want help, and certain people that don't. And Jesus knows that our time is limited, and that, that our relational capacity is limited, our emotional capacity is limited. This stuff takes work, and this stuff takes things out of you. 
And so he says, listen, there needs to come a time where you realize I've tried my very best with this person. It's okay for you to move on. And it doesn't mean that you stop praying for them. It doesn't mean that you stop um, having a relationship with them. But it means is that maybe you don't put all of your efforts into continually trying to argue or confront this person about their sin. It makes us realize that, listen, maybe I'm not the one that's going to get the breakthrough here. Maybe God used me for a season, but maybe God's going to use someone else to address that sin. And maybe they'll be more receptive to them. This, verse 6, gives us a principle to be able to rest and say, I've, I've done my part. And be able to walk away and invite God to then step in. But it's okay to be able to, to do those very things. So listen, church, as we wrap up today, listen, God calls us to be a community that lovingly and faithfully confronts sin. So let me ask you this. What's, what's your next step here? Every time God's word is open, it should, it should cause us and bring us to a point of resolve, that something needs to change. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's a confession of a judgmental attitude. Maybe you, like the Pharisees in Jesus' day, look down on other people and find joy in seeing other people wrapped up in sin. And you're pronouncing judgment upon them that it's not your judgment to pronounce. Maybe today you finally need to get things right with God and saying, I have been, I have been viewing people in a sinful and an unmerciful and, and, and with an, uncompa in, in, in an uncompassionate way. Maybe for some of you here, you need to take care of that log within your own eye. Maybe it's, it's a sinful habit, it's a sinful act, it's, a, it's your, your hobby sin that you always go back to. Maybe today, and you've been living in perpetual sin and perpetual rebellion from God, maybe today is the day where you finally make things right with Him. And Scripture promises that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is hope in the gospel so maybe today is the day where you hand that sin over to the Lord. Maybe for some of you, you've been stiff-arming those people, those people in your life that are actually trying to help and doing it in the right way. But you are acting like a dog and a pig and not being able to willingly accept their help. Maybe today is finally the day that God has spoken to your heart and says, let those people in. And maybe for some of you today, it's just a matter of you're here today searching for answers. And this message is given mostly to believers. It's talking about how we relate to sin with each other. But know that if you are here today and you don't have a relationship with God, know that you can. We, we talked a lot about sin and how it breaks down relationships and what it does to, to the testimony of the church. But know that the, the God's word says that because of our sins, we're all we're separated from God, and we cannot get to God on our own. And it's not about good works. It's not about being at church or doing good things or being a good person because God's Word says that, that all, all of our good works are as filthy rags before God. We cannot earn our way to heaven. But friends, there is good news today. 
And the good news is that you don't have to earn your way to heaven. That you don't have to try to work your way to, to find favor in God's eyes. Because the good news of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God is that your relationship can be restored with God through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. That he loved you enough to leave the glories of heaven, to come down to this earth and live a righteous and holy life and died on the cross so that you wouldn't have to be separated from God forever. But God calls us to do something. He calls us to believe, to place our faith and trust in what Jesus has done and, and stop trying to earn your way to heaven on your own. And if you're here today and you would love to, love to know more about what it looks like to begin a relationship with Jesus, I would encourage you to mark that on, on your Connect card and we will be in touch with you this week. Or even a, after the service, I'll, I'll, I'll be up front. We have some, some material we'd love to give to you that explains even more in more detail than what I can do in three minutes here how you can know for sure that you have a relationship with God today. And when, whenever you die, whenever God calls you home, you will spend eternity with him. So guys, as I call the praise team up as we just finish up today, I want to remind you of one thing. Listen, we've talked a lot about dealing with sin. But the reason that you and I can deal with sin is because our sins have already been dealt with. The reason that you and I can, can be freed from a judgmental attitude is because our sins have already been judged. The reason why that we can recognize sin in our own lives and do it with hope is recognizing that, yes, there is sin there, and yes, there are struggles, but that sin has already been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And the way that, that we can restore other people with compassion is we're bringing them to the same place that we've already experienced. We can bring them to the foot of the cross where we find grace and mercy and forgiveness there. And we can even realize when it's time to move on, understanding and trusting in the fact that the gospel's power is still at work even if you're not the one putting in the effort there. So church, this next song that we're going to sing that close things up just reminds us, listen, we are not fighting here with our flesh and blood. We're fighting with, with the spiritual power of the gospel that our sins have already been paid for. They've been nailed at the cross. And we can live in relationship with other people because of what Jesus Christ has done. So guys, as we finish, let me just pray over you. We're going to stand and sing one more song. So God, Lord, I do. I pray over our people today. God, I, you have casted us a vision of what the gospel community should look like that we should confront sin, but then we're not blind about it, but we do it with the right attitude in the right way. God, give people the courage, Father, to recognize their own sin first and to lovingly step out in the lives of others and do the same. God, may this be a place where, where humility reigns, where your gospel is, is, is on display and when your power is shown in the lives of our people, God. And we do thank you, Lord, that our sins have been completely taken care of at the foot of the cross. We pray all these things in the name of your Son. Amen. Church, let's stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.